0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular, Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, unexplainable, macabre, and bizarre, and tries to find an answer. Hello, Caroline. Hi. And Merry Christmas. Well... Are you feeling better? Better than I was. Uh, Listener, you, in case you didn't hear our uh, Christmas message last (sighs) week, uh, we are still a little bit symptomatic and coming off a run of the old COVID-19.
0: Well, we didn't know it then, but we knew it the next day.
1: Vaccinated, boosted, uh it hit us like hit me like a moderate
0: cold, hit you like a pretty bad flu. Yeah. Mhm. I mean a flu mixed with a cold. <laughs> upper respiratory infection. Yeah, it was it's it's not fun, um even though we're both vaccinated and boosted it still wasn't a good time it still isn't i'm still symptomatic popped our our christmas balloon a little bit yep we had to stay home alone together Mm -hmm. uh, for christmas um we did our zooms my family brought over some like a whole christmas meal which was very sweet of them Mm -hmm. including cocktails Mm -hmm. and they left it for us um my mom brought christmas cookies yep and and we somehow did our gift exchange with Lysol and, and leaving things out. Um, so our families made it as special as possible for us, but it was it was sad not to, uh, to spend the time with them.
1: And we couldn't even spend that time podcasting because you couldn't uh, speak for the most part.
0: Yep. Uh, two days, I think two full days. Um, I sounded shitty when we recorded our greeting last Wednesday, but the next day, I couldn't speak at all. I had to use a little bell to summon you. Yes. And like all day it was just, tingle, tingle, tingle. <laughs> well, not all day. But yeah, I, I, could only, I could only whisper like this for two days. Um, the congestion got really bad. Uh anyway you know it's the same thing that everyone has yeah. right now so
1: L- literally everyone you know has this so uh <laughs> we won't we won't dwell anymore on that but.
0: but you know just make sure your uh shit's taken care of or else it could be a lot worse than it was and um it, it was pretty crappy so
1: yeah that's us with the old booster so yeah definitely um you know get your shots everybody knows that mm-hmm. um All right, so we are still in the Christmas season, and this was the episode that I had ready for last week before Christmas. It still plays, Carrie, because we are in the 12 days of Christmas here. Yeah. The time between um, Christmas Day and what I believe is called Assumption... No, the Epiphany. Sure. The Epiphany... Which is uh, twelve days later, if I'm correct, and I think that's the you know the, the twelve days of Christmas, as in the song.
0: I thought it was the twelve days leading up to Christmas. I, I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, by
1: the maybe way, maybe the fir- song has it
0: wrong, because why would you give someone twelve gifts after Christmas? Who gets who opens their presents before Christmas, Caroline? So it just, it just should be called Christmas. Twelve Gifts for Christmas. Twelve Gifts for Christmas <laughs> should be. Uh,
1: for more on uh, Christmas songs, by the way, um, mostly of the novelty variety, you can check out our new episode of Ain't, Ain't It Kitchy, which just dropped over on Patreon. But right here, we are uh, keeping it holiday for one more week and um, keeping things light for you before we have a couple of weeks of... Uh, The dark and the cold once again. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to give you Santa Claus Dark Origins. Mm -hmm. These are the uh, Christmas traditions from around the world that uh, eventually gave rise to our kind of sanitized Coca-Cola Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you'll be surprised how much Odin is involved when we get to the um, end. Yay. So, but but first, let me talk about Santa Claus is uh, connected with St. Nicholas. He's uh, in a lot of Europe. Uh, our San you know, the guy who we think of as Santa Claus, uh, is is their Saint Nicholas, uh-huh. and that name's you know used in um, um, all kinds of Christmas stuff. So I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but the real Saint Nicholas was a guy, a real man. Saint Nicholas of Myra lived from 270 to 343 AD. Um, that is during something of a dark period in history, so the historical details about this Saint Nicholas are very vague. Um, because the Roman sources at the time don't even mention him. Very turbulent time in Rome, kind of constantly being sacked by Goths, uh, Visigoths,
0: <laughs> others. I always I always think of just a, a, a troop of moody teenagers. Rolling in from Hot
1: Topic and, and laying waste to the place. Absolutely. Um, but from what we do understand from... Christian sources from a hundred, couple hundred years later. Um, St. Nicholas supposedly was the son of wealthy merchants who gave all his parents money away after they died. Um, the most famous story that's told about him uh, is that he wanted to give a dowry for a poor man's uh, three daughters because uh, the, the girls would be forced to turn to pro- prostitution with no other way to provide for themselves if they didn't have husbands. Um, but Nicholas was too modest, or maybe he was afraid of shaming the farmer. Um, And so he threw a bag of gold through his window at night. (laughs) The farmer got really excited, gave that out as a dowry, and uh, got his first daughter married. And then after the first daughter's wedding, Nicholas came back and he threw another bag of gold through (laughs) the window. And after the second daughter's wedding, the farmer waited up that night to catch Nicholas in the act and thank him. Um, And Nicholas swore him to secrecy. um, I think like on penalty of death. Like, never tell anyone about this. That's nice, though. Um, Yeah. And so that's obviously where you get the, you can see the evolution to kind of a Santa Claus idea there. He's a a nighttime gift giver. Uh, He's also the patron saint of sailors, merchants, repentant thieves, archers, and children. Okay. St. Nicholas's Day is celebrated around the world, uh, usually on December 6th, sometimes December 5th. And that is in many European countries when St. Nicholas comes to bring gifts to all the nice children who have been good that year. Um, the British Father Christmas and our Santa Claus are, are both based on this conception of St. Nicholas, right? The guy who comes and rewards nice children with presents. Um, in the Netherlands, St. Nicholas has evolved into Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a similar vibe, you know, the whole robe and long white beard. Um, but Sinterklaas comes from Spain by steamboat instead of in a sleigh with reindeer. Why does he come from Spain? Oh, we'll get to that. He comes uh, by steamboat around mid-November. And uh, so young kids will put shoes in front of the chimney uh, to be filled with small toys and uh, uh, candies. And they'll sing Sinterklaas songs. (laughs) Um, Sometimes they'll fill their shoes with uh, carrots or hay for Sinterklaas's horse, Hmm. uh, which is very cute. That horse is uh, named Schimmel. Or... um, Sometimes it's named Amerigo or Slechtvir Vandag is a more recent name for Santa's horse there. Um, That that means bad weather today. So I don't know. (laughs) Well. Now here's something different. Um, We had, you know, we would put stockings out instead of our shoes, right? Um, We would have uh, maybe leave carrots out for the reindeer. Um, But what we we wouldn't expect Santa Claus to actually knock on the door and show up at our house uh, during the Christmas season. And he's a
0: very secretive man.
1: And that's what happens in many homes in the Netherlands, and I think Germany, too, on the evening of December 5th. um, Sinterklaas, or if you're in Germany, St. Nicholas, will show up. Uh, uh, Well, a friend will knock on the, like, the parents will have a friend come to the house and knock on the window as Sinterklaas' assistants. They go, oh, Sinterklaas' assistant is here. And then the kids run outside and find that the friend has dropped a sack full of presents on the doorstep and run away. Mm-hmm. And that's fun, but sometimes someone will actually show up posing as Sinterklaas, dressed in robes, and he'll have a big golden book and he'll know all, know about the children. He'll go, oh, I heard that you went to the zoo a lot this year. Have you been nice? I heard you were mean to your sister sometimes, and kind of uh, interrogate the children about their sins.
0: Ah, it's very theatrical. And then he
1: g- usually gives them presents and leaves. Um, however... In the Netherlands, Sinterklaas is sometimes joined by another figure, Zwarte Pietin. (laughs) Uh, That means Black Pete. Oh, boy. And um, Black Pete is kind of a little helper guy for Santa. He is traditionally portrayed as a a Moor from Spain in Renaissance garb. Uh, The Moors were black, and uh, he's usually played by a white guy. In blackface, Mm -hmm. uh, wearing like uh, silk Renaissance clothes. Um, By the way, that is why Sinterklaas comes from Spain. Um, All of these legends seem to have been formed around the time uh, or out of centuries of the Dutch fear of Moorish raiders coming to take them as slaves from Spain. And so, of course, Santa Claus—that would comes be a from...
0: twist, wouldn't
1: it? Santa Claus comes from Spain, and uh, in the late 1800s, the steamboat was all the rage. So they were like, "Yeah, he comes by a steamboat." It was very exciting for the kids. <laughs> um, and so there you go. You've got a key... and he, so he, well, <laughs> well, Sa- came from Spain to bring presents to the uh, nice children. Zvarta Pietin came along to snatch up naughty children in a sack and bring them back to Spain to be slaves. Oh boy. Um, as I said, he's tri- tra- tra- traditionally done in blackface. Oh, bla- oh
0: yeah, it's very offensive.
1: Oh, black Pete! and in- picture him uh, full blackface and wearing a rough, like a big, stupid folded collar and a feathered hat, and usually carrying a birch broom to spank naughty kids with. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes today it's co- it's uh, softened from black se- black Pete to sooty Pete. With the idea that his face is just... Bl- he's a chimney sweep. That's why Santa comes down through the chimney, you see. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pete's face is just darkened by all the soot and ash. And so in that tradition, you'll just have like a couple of smudges on your face.
0: Well, it's not as bad. Uh, it's a nice way to soften
1: it, I guess. You <laughs> could just make him Pete. <laughs> just Pete. How about just Pete? <laughs> Um, in practice, Pete doesn't usually uh, beat children with uh, uh, sticks or branches or brooms. He doesn't usually kidnap anyone. Um, he usually does just give children candies and cookies in the street because there are a lot of, in the Netherlands apparently, a lot of grown men dressing up as Zwarte Um And if you guessed that that has taken on weird racial and nationalistic tendencies in more recent years, you'd be right. Mm-hmm. In Germany, uh, children are, by the way, St. Nicholas is kind of, a, Santa Claus is kind of a deity, isn't he? It is sort of a, a figure children pray to, send them their wishes all year. Um, he watches and judges their behavior.
0: Yeah, and he's literally a saint, so, and he's associated with a, I mean, mostly uh, a Christian holiday. And in Germany, uh,
1: children worship St. Nicholas. And so they put a Nicholas boot outside the front door. That's their stand-in for the old stocking or shoe. Um, but they say, if you're a nice child, the uh, shoe is going to be filled with fruits and sweets when you bring the boot back inside. Uh, but if you're naughty, it'll just have a stick inside for your parents to beat you with. Lovely. That's their version of coal. As naughty <laughs> children just get switches. <laughs> Jeez. That the parents are supposed to beat them with. Um, carrying along this, uh, you're kind of falling right in the same tradition uh, in North Germany. Um, this is similar to uh, Pieten. You see a lot of St. Nicholas being joined by an evil, kind of dark Santa, Mm -hmm. um, who will take you away if you're bad, or beat you if you're bad. Um, in North Germany, St. Nicholas is accompanied by the mischievous fairy, Necht Ruprecht.
0: I love how in America, it's kind of like the worst thing that could happen is you don't get presents.
1: You get coal instead. (laughs) Uh, there are versions of that in some of these, too, but, um... Necht Ruprecht is kind of a more fun, whimsical version. Um, He's an old man in, like, rags, and he asks children if they've been saying their prayers. And if they have, they receive sweets, fruits, and nuts from Necht Ruprecht. Um, But if they haven't, he hits them in the face with a bag of ashes that he carries around. Jesus! Ashes (laughs) from what? Uh, Presumably other children, I guess. I don't know. God. Uh, Ash stuff is common. Ash um, imagery is common in Catholic stuff. Um, because of the whole ashes to ashes of it all, you know, as a reminder of your <laughs> the mortality. classic ashes yeah. to ashes of it all. Ashes are a great reminder of your mortality. So maybe that's why he's hitting the kids in the face with the ashes. <sighs> yeah, maybe. Um, in some parts of Germany, Santa also has an angel who rewards the good children. So then you've got sort of- So Sa- what's
0: Santa doing? Well, he's
1: sort of just the judge. He's the judge. And then you've got the two executioners <laughs> behind him. Jeez. Uh, Santa with his posse of, you know, wintry death. His goons. Um, in Alsace, France, they have maybe the most unique accompaniment for Santa Claus. Because the people of Alsace say St. Nicholas is accompanied by Hans Trapp. A man with a, uh, who's said to have a white beard, a pointed hat, and a rod. Um, Hans Trapp is based on a real-life person named Hans von Trotha who lived from about 1450 to 1503, he was a German knight and noble from Heidelberg, who feuded with the abbot of the local monastery over a castle. So what does this have to do with Christmas? What does this have to do with France? Well, at the height of the dispute, von Trotha dammed a river to deprive the nearby village Weissenberg of its water supply, and when the abbot of the monastery complained, like, hey, this dam is fucking up our water supply. Um... Von Trotha just destroyed the dam all at once and flooded the village instead. So, kind of a dick. Uh-huh. He was excommunicated by the church, and as sometimes happened with unpopular excommunicated figures of the time, uh, he became a figure of folklore known as the Black Knight. You see, Von Trotha was also like a, a hulking, kind of intimidating presence. And so... Um, You know, he passed into folklore where people say he wandered the countryside disguised as a scarecrow. Okay. um, Obsessed with tasting human flesh. What? None of this follows from the earlier story, but this is why you don't want to piss off the church in this time. You'll become literally a a monster children tell bedtime stories about. Um, At some point, Von Trotha, the Black Knight, lured a shepherd boy away from the flock to kill and eat him but was killed by God with lightning for his sin. Nonetheless, it's said in Allsays France that Hans, Hans Trapp will still return on Christmas to eat naughty children.
0: Okay. And
1: I, I have a translation of a traditional poem from, uh, from German here. Um, Look, there comes Hans Trapp. He has a nice pointed hat and a beard white like a roan. He comes from the beautiful starry sky and brings children a rod who do not do singing and praying. Look, Hans Trapp, we are so small and good and obedient at home. Shouldn't come with your stick, because we can sing and pray too. Yikes. <laughs> Big yikes. Yep, don't come with your stick. Mm-hmm. Um, in northern and eastern France, there's also a uh, another guy, another guy who comes with the Santa. His name is Père Fouetard, which is French for whipping father. Oh, no. And the Whipping Father comes along with St. Nicholas uh, on his nightly visits. Um, The most popular story, this is excellent, the most popular story for the origin of the Whipping Father dates to 1252, when allegedly an innkeeper and his wife kidnapped three boys who were on their way to boarding school with the intention of robbing them because these were uh, rich kids who were wearing fine clothing. After drugging them, the couple robbed the children, slit their throats, cut them into pieces, and threw the chunks into a stew pot for dinner. Well, St. Nicholas discovered the crime. <laughs> How? Uh, sometimes he, like, it, it's sort of... He, then St. Nicholas happened upon the scene. So I don't know if he stops at the inn or if he just teleported into the room, like, <laughs> I see you when you're sleeping, bitch. Yes. Um, either way, St. Nicholas discovered the crime, resurrected the children... Enforced paire how fu- do you resurrect chunks um I don't know it's like maybe it's like the immortal from uh, invincible <laughs> if you press them all together enforced <laughs> um, Pere Foettard to become his cannibalistic manservant as punishment for his crimes Wow so and obviously as implied by his name, uh, he's there to beat naughty children. Um, he's often portrayed with dark robes, a scraggly beard, and a whip or a large stick. And on his back, he'll usually either have a cage to carry away naughty children, <laughs> or just like a uh, an archer's-style quiver with just more hitting sticks in it. God! <laughs> um, traditional portrayals, this is interesting, traditional portrayals of Per Fouetard clearly show a white man with a long white beard, but recently... Adults at Christmas festivals in France will dress up in blackface. Oh, why? Because they're confusing Père Fouetard with Zwarte Piet* <laughs> and getting caught up in the like, no, we can still wear blackface, right? Yuck. No, you can't. Yuck. <laughs> it's, like, it's not even part of this. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, in uh, Austria and Bavaria, well, the 6th of December, as I said, is St. Nicholas Day, The 5th of December, the night before, is Krampus Day.
0: Yay!
1: Um, Because in many parts of Europe, Krampus is the evil spirit who comes along with Santa Claus. I shouldn't say evil. He seems to be working with Santa Claus, right? So he's just kind of the dark side of the coin. in
0: the way that the devil works with God, right? In in some mythology.
1: Yeah, but don't they... I'm assuming they're traveling together. Could be. They both got to visit all the houses. Tell us about Krampus. Uh, okay. Krampus, uh, you've probably seen some um, iteration of Krampus before. He's become very popular in popular culture over the last couple of years because he's got a funny name and uh, he's awesome. <laughs> he's a hairy, devil-like creature with horns. Um, it's been pointed out that he resembles and probably descends from legends of a chort, a Slavic demon, um, like sort of an imp with hooves, horns, and a long, skinny tail. Could like be a devil. Any devil, yeah. yeah. Um, Krampus travels around with St. Nicholas and beats naughty children with a birch rod.
0: Man, these kids are always getting the shit beat out of them.
1: Absolutely they are. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Or Krampus will just, for really naughty children, just stuff them in a sack and take them away forever. Mm-hmm. On Krampus Day, young men dress as Krampuses and scare children with chains and rods in the street. <laughs> Um, they also give out bundles of potatoes, which are what in that in most of Europe a like stale potato is the version of coal in your stocking. Mm. Naughty children get a potato and also beaten with rods. <laughs> God, um, as it is traditional to greet a Krampus with schnapps to make it go away. <sighs> Um, these Krampus days are becoming something of a Santa Con style. Like, oh just yeah,
0: everyone getting drunk
1: on schnapps, booze fueled nightmare. Yeah, well, because and it's all young men. Kramptoberfest. It's young men who dress up as the Krampus. Of so, course. So they're all just out getting shit house drunk. Oh boy. Um, and and waving and chains beating at kids. children. Great. Well, waving chains at them certainly. <laughs> um, that's in Austria. Now Austrians also tell stories of Frau Perchta around this time of year. Not the Frau. And this is our first connection to pagan mythology with our discussion of Christmas here. Um, Frau Perchta was originally a pagan goddess uh, in Germanic countries um, responsible for upholding traditions. That was her kind of area. Um, she's supposedly a haggard old woman who roams the countryside between Christmas and Epiphany those 12 days. <laughs> It's said that Frau Perchtet knows whether you've behaved this year. And if you have, she'll leave a small silver coin if you leave out a pail for her. But if you haven't, she'll come into your house to split your belly open, remove the guts and replace them with straw and rocks. Holy
0: shit. But yeah. you only get a coin if you're good? That seems wildly unbalanced.
1: It's true. But not all good and bad behavior is created equal. Um, she's mainly concerned with whether you're spinning on holidays. No spinning on holidays. Spinning? Like spinning wool. Why? You're not supposed to be working on the holiday.
0: Well.
1: On the other hand, if you didn't spin as much wool as you were supposed to this year, you also might get your belly cut open for that by Frau Perchta. Very important that you do enough spinning on the right days. Okay. Um, she apparently also will just cut people open for eating something other than fish and gruel on her feast day. Ugh. So there you go.
0: Well, I don't like her one bit.
1: I know. Well, luckily, she's only, it's only this 12-day period that she's out. But, Carrie, I have to warn you, there is something else to worry about during the 12 days of Christmas. What? Calikansaros. Ooh. These are, in Greece, these are allegedly evil subterranean goblins. It's said they spend all of their time underground sawing at the world tree to someday bring about the apocalypse. That's <laughs> very metal. Um, They're sometimes described as big, sometimes small, sometimes hairy. Often they have animal parts, either tusks or horns or hooves. Um, They're often drawn or painted or carved as male with protruding erections. Mm. um, Because as mischievous spirits often are. They're just horny spirits. Um, They are most often small black humanoids with long skinny tails. Tails on both sides, it sounds like. Um, They're also blind and speak with a lisp. (laughs) <laughs> Hello there. Oh, I'm just going to wait another one of my best selling novels. Um, the Cal- Cali are only able to emerge during the 12 days of Christmas, from Christmas to Epiphany, just like Frau Perchta. Apparently every year they're almost done sawing the world tree. It's like down to a sliver. And then they get distracted by the door opening up to come up and uh, and, and check out the world. So they um, they come up and mostly cause mischief like gremlins do. So anything that goes wrong in Greece between Christmas and Epiphany, you can go like, oh, it's the Cali-Cansados. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can keep them away from your door by leaving a colander on the doorstep. Because supposedly they, they will be forced to count the holes in the colander. So, similar to the sand or rice thing we talked about with vampires. Yeah, but a
0: colander only has so many holes. Oh, but they can't, pa-
1: they canonically can't count past three. So, it'll still it'll take them all day. Okay. <laughs> um, you can also throw pastries and sausages onto your roof and sing a specific uh, calicanzado song, and then they'll eat the sausages and go away. Um, you can throw a black cross on your front door and burn some incense. Uh, or you can throw bad smelling shoes into the fire because the stench will supposedly drive the goblins away. Uh, or you can just leave a log roasting in the fire all night so that they can't enter through the chimney. Yeah, I think I'd probably do that. It's probably the easiest, although it could be dangerous. It could be a fire risk. Well, We could also just wait because by the time, su- by the, time the sun starts moving again on Epiphany, This is based on an old Greek folklore understanding that the sun isn't moving at all during these twelve days. Um, The tree has healed below us, so by the time the goblins get back down, it's like ah shit, (laughs) took our eyes off the ball, Mm -hmm. and they hurry back to get sawing again for next year. Mm
0: Kind of nice. (laughs) I don't know. I think they made it all the way through (laughs) a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was it? uh, What would you say? Late twenty sixteen. Mm, something like that yeah and that's what they do in greece uh my favorite christmas traditions honestly my favorite like weird christmas folklore i think comes from iceland um my sister lived there for a couple of months we've been there together Mm -hmm. um they had some really fun look scandinavian folklore is all very fun it's sort of um got a different flavor than the rest of european folklore with its you know trolls and uh Hildefirk and uh, their weird flavor of fairies and um, yeah it's all very fun and Iceland is even a little weirder because it's carved off from the rest of the continent Um, so we'll get into that with Grilla and the Yule Lads when we return (laughs)
2: I'm Edward October, and I'm here at the Octoberpod ranch in the Great Smoky Mountains. Almost every night here, there's a ghost story party around the campfire. In my family, we believe that scary stories are best told around a roaring fire with a bottle of wine. That's why bold individualists everywhere choose Octoberpod for their retro horror thrills. Our stories are so good because they're told with such care, understated, moody, and above all, chilling. Why don't you join us for retro horror of impeccable taste? Choose OctoberPod. Find us on YouTube or at octoberpodvhs.com. OctoberPod. Retro horror for bold individualists.
1: right caroline <laughs> welcome back by the way listener oh i'm a little out of practice from all this stuff just a week off welcome back <laughs> when last we left you we uh had just set up a little dip into icelandic christmas folklore um now the stories we've covered so far have uh some obvious patterns to them right uh, we have like sort of dark, e- darks evil sidekicks for santa claus who will usually beat naughty children with sticks or else take them away Mm-hmm. um the most unique take might have been when uh, Santa and Pieten in blackface come across from Spain on a, a steamboat, but uh, they, they all kind of have the same broad strokes. Not so in Iceland, where Icelandic children have a whole cast of mountain-dwelling characters who come into town around Christmas to uh, reward nice children and punish naughty ones. Starting with Grilla. Uh, Grela is a wicked female troll, or giantess, who appears in epic poems and sagas going back to like um medieval, you know, medieval Icelandic um oral tradition. Uh, one old poem describes her with 15 tails and 100 balloons on each tail. And balloons. T- yeah, tied like tied to the tails. Okay. And 20 children in each balloon. Uh-huh. That's like the first way she was ever described. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, but the first connection between Grilla and Christmas and the first mention of her children, the Yule Lads, com- <laughs> comes in the 17th century Song of Grilla. Um, in early stories, Grilla can be found wandering the-, wandering the countryside, asking parents to give her their naughty children. Um, she lives in a cave outside of town. and if-
0: <laughs> She's outside of town.
1: And if- usually you give her foodstuffs of some kind. At the cave. No, no, no. If she comes and asks for your children, you can give her some kind of food to make her um, leave. So to quote Don Rickles, I gave her a cookie, she went away. <laughs> um, now, modern-day Grilla can detect misbehaving children year-round, Santa Claus style. Right. Um, but she comes down from the mountains around Christmas for her favorite snack, which is a stew of naughty children. <laughs> and the legend says her pot always has more supply and never runs empty. Mm, well... Now, I don't want to get too much into Grilla's personal life, but we do know she's been married three times. Oh. But her current husband is Lepaludi, (laughs) and there's not that much data on this guy, but he's apparently very lazy and rarely leaves... Well, it
0: sounds like she's doing all the work here for the children's stew.
1: Lepaludi rarely leaves their cave in the lava fields. (laughs) Um, Grilla also has dozens of rarely discussed children from previous marriages, um, but there are 13 canonical Yule Lads that you'll hear about. Um, The depictions and number of the Yule Lads actually, in earlier literature, varied wildly from local, because it's all oral tradition, right? So from local tradition to local tradition. Um, But by the 18th century, we were locking in on 13 Yule Lads, and the 1932 poetry book Christmas is Coming canonized the lineup with the poem Yule Lads. Um, So kind of like our Santa Claus, actually, really right around the 30s, we got the full like red suit, little pom-pom Dasher, on the hat. Dasher,
0: dancer, prancer, vixen. Dasher,
1: dancer, prancer, vixen, the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. Um, In the poem, no, sorry, not in the poem. Now the Yule lads, the Yule boys, if you will, B-O-I-Z, uh, <laughs> arrive one by one on the 13 nights leading up to Christmas. And each Yule Lad will leave a gift or a candy in the children's shoes if they've been good, or a rotten potato if they've been bad. Uh, do they each have like a particular thing? Yes.
0: <gasps> I love that.
1: And my impression is this is like a proto-elf on the shelf. Like Icelandic parents were elf on the shelfing their kids long before somebody was making money off of it.
0: We're definitely not doing that, right?
1: Um, I'd rather do the Yule Lads. So see how these grab you. <laughs> Because each Yule Lad has kind of a prank, a favorite prank that he likes to do—a bit, a bit—and uh, that's how the parents of the parents can come out and go like, "Oh, look, gullygawk has been here."
0: gullygawk
1: Yeah. Uh, so here are the Yule Lads, and this is in the order of appearance. <laughs> um, you have Sheepcoat Coat Clod. Uh, these all have like long. S- sing-songy icelandic mm-hmm. sing-songy icelandic name better
0: tread lightly there friend um sheep
1: sheep coat it, I, I if any icelandic people are listening and you didn't like that i i i apologize we love your country we love your country and i think your language sounds very fun it you know i was just doing like a swedish chef thing <laughs> so sheep sheep coat clod harasses sheep that's his prank um, but he's impaired by his stiff peg legs. That's why he's called a clod. So for that one, you can just bang around the house.
0: You know, <laughs> why does he have peg
1: legs? So that the parents have something they can do. If you don't have sheep, how are you supposed to tell the kids that this guy was here?
0: Oh, well, that's, that's clever.
1: Um, the gully gawk
0: hides... That's in... day two.
1: Yes, day two is the gully gawk.
0: But do, wait, do they leave a particular kind of gift? Oh, Like, does he leave wool or something? No,
1: there might be different traditions Mm. about that, but uh, no, I think it's It's probably... It's just kind of their
0: bit, that's the thing.
1: Each one has a bit to let the children know he's been there. Okay. Uh, Gully Gawk hides in gullies, you know, little indents in the earth, uh, waiting to steal the milk from the cow shed. So I think you can just put an empty glass of milk Santa style out for for that guy, right? Sure.
0: Um, Stubby...
1: Well, how do you know he's
0: there? He drinks the milk? Yeah, he something? drinks the milk.
1: Okay. I don't have specific methods on all these. You, you, you'd have <laughs> to figure it out as parents. Um, Stubby is abnormally short.
0: Wow. Well,
1: and he steals pans to eat the leftover pie crust in them. Spoon liquor is very thin, and he steals and licks wooden spoons, his only form of sustenance. Um, like
0: brownie batter and stuff?
1: Yes. Pot scraper, meanwhile, steals the leftovers from pots.
0: These my... poor, uh, malnourished
1: children. Yeah, you thought Grilla was helping them out with, with naughty kids stew? No, that's mm. all for Grilla. Damn. Um, bowl Liquor hides under beds to steal dishes when they're put down on the floor. Door Slammer likes slamming doors, yeah. especially at night. Skier Gobbler steals yogurt. Uh, Skeer yogurt. That's mm-hmm. the kind of um, yogurt-like culture that they eat out there. It's delicious, by the way. Very good. Um, sausage Swiper. Hides in the rafters, no. hides in the rafters, and grabs men's penises. No, he steals. Sm- I was going to say, oh, really? He steals sausages uh, from the fire while they're, they're being smoked. Um, window peeper. I don't like him. Looks through the windows in search of things to steal. Mm. Uh, doorway sniffer has a very ew. What he has a very large nose, and he can use that to smell leaf bread, which is a traditional Christmas pastry and his favorite food.
0: Why is he in the doorway?
1: Because he sniffs from, like, around the corner of the door? (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Um, Finally, the sinisterly named, this is uh, the night before Christmas, Meat Hook. Oh, no. Who uh, steals meat with the two meat hooks he's carrying.
0: Ew, that sounds like one of the puppets from Puppet Master.
1: And finally, Candle Sniffer. The description I found on Wikipedia said... A Candle Snuffer? Candle Sniffer. Okay. He follows children to steal and eat their candles.
0: I feel like something was lost in translation there. Well, candles used to be made of tallow, which is edible. No, but wouldn't it wouldn't be candle eater. I, oh,
1: I'm sure lots of lots has been lost in translation with, with many of these.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Like a spe- I don't like meat hook. Especially doorway sniffer. I think something's been lost in translation. <laughs> um, that's not all. The Yule Lads, so the Yule Lads are a benign presence, right? They might do some pranks, but they're mostly Still going your to... food.
0: At worst, they leave you a potato. Keeping your windows. I don't like that. Hook your meat. But if, you're, if you've been nice, they'll leave you candy and presents. They don't seem like the discerning type.
1: Now, you really don't want to run into their pet, the Yule Cat. I kind of do. Or Yolakotorin. Aw. Uh, the Yolakotorin is a massive pet of Grilla and Lepaludy. She lurks in the snowy countryside around Christmas time eating people who haven't received any new clothes that year.
0: That's not nice. What if they're poor?
1: No, the theory on that is if you've been good, Icelandic tradition, if you've been good, uh, you can show Santa Claus and uh, the Yule Lads and Yola here uh, that you've been good by showing the new clothes you're wearing. So if you didn't get new clothes...
0: What if you're poor? You're just good but poor.
1: Uh, I don't know. This is a more recent tradition than the other lad stuff. Um, More like the 19th century, people started talking about this. And I heard that it was actually invented to scare wool workers into finishing their work. (laughs) So, like, finish it up and you'll get your Christmas bonus, which is a new pair of socks, so you won't get eaten by the cat.
0: Um, But These are not child laborers, though. Why are they going to believe in the Yule cat?
1: That was my thought, too. It sounds to (laughs) me more like a great way to get kids excited about receiving socks. Yes. For Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, In any case, the Yule Cat, uh, under the name Yola, appears in the Christmas Chronicles 2, which we'll have to check out now.
0: Oh, sexy Santa.
1: And the Yule Lads are featured in the second season of the Netflix animated series Hilda. So Gryla's family is getting lots of pop over there on uh, the
0: the big red streamer. Is there a Yule dog?
1: No Yule dog. No, not yet. We can move to Iceland and try to make it a thing if you want. Yeah. We have to move to Iceland.
0: But there has to be some, that's, there has to be something that's sweet. So there has to be a Yule dog. I
1: think that Yule lads are kind of sweet. Well, I don't know. Meat hook. I think Lepaludi is kind of sweet.
0: She eats people. No,
1: no, her husband.
0: Oh, well, he's just lazy. <laughs> yeah, he's... No, we, we need one that's actively sweet.
1: I love how he's like the sitcom dad. Oh, yes. Like he's just the trope of a uh, Kevin James character.
0: Yes, for sure. With his
1: hot wife out there. <laughs> well...
0: Like... She's a she's a troll goddess. What are you talking about, Grilla? Yeah. No, Grilla's a gilf.
1: Grilla, I'd like to... <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. Uh, okay. Let's talk about, as long as we're in, sort of in the neighborhood of Scandinavia. I don't know that Iceland is technically in Scandinavia. Certainly influence. Uh, as long as we're in that neighborhood, let's let's take a trip over and look at the pagan origins of many of our Christmas traditions. Um, Yule. It, that's a word that we still use. And of course, mm-hmm. Yule didn't always refer to Christmas. Um, Yule was a holiday, really almost a, a, a festival season, or uh, observed by the um, old Norse and Germanic peoples. And um, I have a quote here from one of the old sagas. Um, of the
0: Swamp Thing? No. <laughs> um, or
1: actually, this is from Emily Hollister, who's a historian... Um, Summarizing one of these old sagas, um, this is what a Yule. This is a Christmas party before
0: Christ. Uh, a, a Yule celebration, and this is to to mark the winter solstice. Uh,
1: likely, basically, yes. Uh, and this actually comes from the saga of Hakon the Good, um, which is a saga that credits Hakon, who was the king at the time, obviously, with the Christianization of Norway. So um, this is re- an account from at the end of the Yule period, if you will, the pagan period. Um, it was ancient custom that when sacrifice was to be made, all farmers were to come to the heathen temple and bring along with them the food they needed while the, foo- while the feast lasted. At this feast, all were to take part in the drinking of ale. Also, all kinds of livestock were killed in connection with it, horses also. And all the blood from them was called hlot, sacrificial blood, and hlot boli the vessel holding the blood, and hlot in air, the sacrificial twigs. These were fashioned like sprinklers, and with them were to be smeared all over with blood the the pedestals of the idols, and also the walls of the temple, within and without. And likewise the men present were to be sprinkled with blood.
0: It must have stank.
1: But the meat of the animals was to be boiled and served as food at the banquet. Fires were to be lighted in the middle of the temple floor, and kettles hung over the fires. The sacrificial beaker was to be born around the fire. (laughs) He's one of the sacrificial animals. (laughs) I, I would hope so. I don't like him. And he who made the feast and was chieftain was to bless the beaker as well as all the sacrificial meat. Then three toasts were drunk first to Odin for victory and power to the king, second to Norder and Freyr for good harvests and peace, and third to the king himself. Um, now, Hakon actually rescheduled this Yule festivity. He didn't say, like, like, uh, the way an English king would probably do this is like, you guys can't do that anymore, (laughs) if I know anything about the history of England. Yeah. Um, Hakon's thing was like, listen, guys, we're gonna reschedule Yule to, uh, uh, right around to just whenever... Christmas was being observed then, so de- well,' December a lot of 25th. the traditions
0: and stuff, not the blood and everything, but um they just got modified for for everything Christianity I mean Easter was a goddess, and then they just called it Easter, you know the, yeah, it makes it easy you, you, you they go, made it easy for them you go listen we're st- you're still celebrating the same thing,
1: but you have to be Christian now, right, but you can still have the Yule party, mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, we have a lot of, um, holdover traditions that still come from those pagan, um, origins. So, uh, pagan tradition included a huge log that would be shoved into the fire. Um. A yule. F- from end to end, over the course of 12 days. So, giant log, and you, you start burning it here, and then you, you push it into the fire as, as more of it's consumed. hmm Um, so, like, most of the log is outside the fire at the oh, beginning. Oh, I see. Um, and it was a whole ritual thing representing rebirth and the return of divine light, and you would actually use the embers from or the remains of last year's Yule log to light this year's. Um, so it's a whole thing, but obviously, yeah, Yule log still a thing. I can put on Netflix right now, I think, even though we're past the season. Yep. Um, the sacrificed animals you heard referenced—that would be, and uh, that's kind of we we evolved into a big Christmas meal, like you will have a Christmas ham or. Yeah. Um, Tim Allen will spend four hours cooking a turkey starting at 10
0: p.m. Stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, people whine and cry about a war on Christmas, which there isn't. But honestly, the original thing was a war on Yule. Yes, and <laughs> they just kind of modified a lot of these traditions um, to make it palatable to people. It's it's not it's not real, but it's fun.
1: Yeah, uh, Hakon was a apparently uh, by all accounts a pretty staunch Christian once he converted himself, but. Um, He rightly knew that his, uh, you know, that people wouldn't like just eat it up that easily. So, uh, yeah, he gave himself some transition time by just going like, yeah, still do the thing you do. Just celebrate it when they're doing their holiday Mm -hmm. and we'll all be fine. Um, Yuletide was also associated in Norse and Germanic cultures with a greater prevalence of seeings of the Wild Hunt. Um, The Witcher 3? Thank you. Uh, It's actually a a related idea. The Witcher 3's plot is partly based on this idea. Hmm. Um, The Wild Hunt was allegedly Odin himself leading a party of undead hunters across the night sky.
0: See, paganism is so metal.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Like, ghost riders (laughs) in the
1: sky, anyone? Hearing or seeing them pretended great change or evil to come. Um... Emphasis on the evil more in later post-Christian sources. Yeah. So, like...
0: Well, they had to scare people somehow.
1: Well, this same legend was used kind of by the English, too, but but they would change it and make it so now it's like, because it represents it's pagan God. stuff, it's like, Well, no, it would be like, it pretends a great evil. Mm. But also, yeah, they would replace Odin with, like... <laughs> in England, it would be King Arthur, or sometimes Sir yeah. Francis Drake leading the wild. Sir
0: Francis Drake! <laughs> yes. I don't know why. Oh, boy.
1: Uh, in Ireland, it's Finn McCool leading a cavalcade of fairies.
0: Man, I wish our name was McCool. That's so cool. Um, it still could be. I mean, you know.
1: No, McCabe's pretty good. County clerks exist. Um, <laughs> Odin's gray horse, Sleipnir, Aww. and his long white beard...
0: Slipnirs
1: or Odins? Odins. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably informed the character of Sinterklaas mm-hmm. in those countries and therefore the uh, Saint Nicholas uh, interpretation, Father Christmas, Santa Claus Well, that yeah, we
0: got. there's always a, 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 a man with a great big bushy beard, but he's always a, like a white haired, I mean, that's like the visual of God now. Like if, if you're a kid and you have to kind of imagine what that is, I would say usually you imagine a, a big guy with a bushy beard that's triton in the little mermaid that's zeus in like every representation of him that's like the thing
1: old guy with a beard projects authority so that make i mean that makes sense yes. even if you hadn't seen odin before but so that,
0: that makes sense and then you just kind of round him out to be santa because he's supposed to be nice
1: he's seen flying through the night sky mm-hmm. with his um horse uh you know, around Yule mm-hmm. this is uh, this is Santa Claus. Now it's only one horse, but Sleipnir has
0: eight legs. Horrifying, but okay.
1: But a connection to the eight reindeer yes. there. Um, yeah, he's
0: oh, he's, oh. he's a spider horse. Let me tell you about Sick.
1: let me tell you about Sleipnir. This is maybe my favorite thing I'm going to tell you, and it's what we're going to cap the episode off with here. Okay. Sleipnir, like I said, eight legs. Mm. Almost every story that mentions him like goes like Sleipnir and he was the greatest horse among gods and men and it's like you know laying it on a little thick where every time you mention Sleipnir you have to say how fast he is and how he's definitely he's faster. a good horse Sean and this one time he raced the giant the frost giant king's horse and he won by just a little bit um, but let me tell you about the origins of Sleipnir Santa Claus's horse <laughs> This one time, uh, Odin made a bet with a builder that if the builder could finish a fort for the gods that would protect them within three seasons, with help from no man, that builder would be paid with the sun, the moon, and the goddess Freya as a wife.
0: Isn't... Isn't she married to Odin?
1: Yeah. Oh. So, not a fan. <laughs> the, the builder was like, well, can my horse help? And uh, the, the gods were like, well, it's not a man. And, and uh, Loki was like, hey, that'd be fun. I want to see this horse work. Well, and Odin was like, okay, fine. Uh, and then it turned out the horse was like really good. Like pulling building many times heavier than a man ever could. And like doing more work than a whole troop of builders. So three days before the deadline, this fort's almost done. And the gods were like, hey, Loki, this is your fault. Fix it or you're dead. And so Loki... Did his favorite thing Well, the, all the gods' favorite thing uh, Transforming into an animal Loki trans- banged the horse Loki transformed into a mare And ran into the woods to distract the horse mm-hmm. uh, The horse ran off into the woods after Loki The work was delayed And the builder couldn't finish And some months later Sleipnir was born
0: Aww You know, uh, I really hope they have this In the next phase of Marvel This Tom Hiddleston playing a horny horse That'd be great um, also, Sleipnir is Loki's son?
1: Yes, Sleipnir is like Loki is Sleipnir's mother.
0: A mother. Um, so his grandfather rides him through the sky.
1: Yes. Interesting. That's also true. Um, Meanwhile, by the way, just a little postscript on that builder. After all this was over, the gods realized he was a frost giant in disguise. Oh,
0: no. So
1: they didn't pay him anything and Thor smashed his head open, which is how a lot of Norse legends end.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Also, he did the work. He did three seasons of work.
1: And then it turned out the guy was a frost giant. So Thor smashed his head Mm. with Mjolnir. They always specify that Thor Thor used Mjolnir to smash his head. Mm.
0: That's too bad, but I love Sleipnir. Why does he have eight legs? I
1: don't know. Probably, honestly, w- w- the the mentality of the this ancient legend mythology kind of stuff sometimes is just like, well, it's four times as good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's like, yeah, Aww. But Why does it? Why is a manticore all those different animals? It's like, yeah, it's well, it's five times as scary as a lion or a <laughs> so, scorpion. So okay,
0: so so Loki was pregnant with Sleipnir. Yes. Did Loki have to stay a lady horse while he was pregnant until the the horse baby was born?
1: I don't know, but I'd love to see the remake of Junior <laughs> involving Loki carrying and, and giving birth to a
0: stallion. They gotta do this. The greatest horse Marvel. among gods and men. I need to know.
1: Um, so there you go. That's, uh, th- that's your Rudolph right there.
0: Mm. near the eight-legged monster horse. Mm-hmm. He's sweet. He's sweet. Let's take a trip to the Bizarre Bazaar. Oh, what? Oh,
1: Carrie, watch out. We haven't been here in a while. It's musty in here.
0: (laughs) So, last year, I think probably, well, probably in January of this year, I, um, I dropped some predictions. Some psychical predictions for 2021 on everyone, uh, including some little bits from Nostradamus and all that fun stuff. That's right. Uh, so of course we're gonna we're gonna keep in that tradition, and for this upcoming year 2022, um, we're gonna talk about Baba Ye- Baba Vanga's uh, predictions for this year.
1: Oh, I thought it was gonna be John Wick. Yeah, well, Baba Vanga. <laughs>
0: Um, so Baba Vanga, who was born Vangelia Pandeva Dimitrova, was raised in Strumika. Um, I think that's part of Bulgaria. And she, uh, she was an elderly blind mystic. When? Uh, she died in 1996. So pretty recently. Her claims have been linked to, and she would make predictions, Uh, her claims have been linked to events such as the September 11th attacks and the Syrian chemical attacks. She died in 1996 at age 85, and she had been dubbed the Nostradamus from the Balkans (laughs) Uh, in She had a normal life until she was 12 years old when she mysteriously lost her eyesight during a massive storm called a freak tornado. Mm. Uh, She was said to have been flung into the air and then thrown to the ground by a powerful gust of wind. Her eyes were injured and sealed shut, encrusted with a thick layer of dust and dirt. And she uh, experienced her first vision around this time.
1: Ooh. It was, I see wind.
0: (laughs) Well, she didn't see it. Um, So according to New York Post, here are some of the things that she has predicted in the past. Uh, And a lot of these were while she was still alive, but the Kursk nuclear submarine disaster. Uh, She said that Kursk will be covered in water and the whole world will weep over it. Um, She claimed this in 1980. She said that it would happen in August 1999. The Russian sub did sink in August 2000. So she was off by a year. Killing all aboard. Um, she predicted the rise of terror group ISIS, supposedly. Do you have that one? It's just said she's, she's said to have predicted it. Um some conspiracy theorists claims that she predicted Brexit. She said, uh, unfortunately incorrectly for her, that Europe will cease to exist by 2017, which didn't really happen. <laughs> uh, she claimed the 44th U.S. president, who was Barack Obama, would be black. She also said that this president would be the last president, which didn't happen.
1: Oh, this, this sounds... <laughs> did she think those things were connected? I hope not. She is an old woman.
0: Um, let's see in 89 she claimed the American Brethren will fall after being attacked by steel birds and innocent blood will be gushing and she thought that would be September 11th she did well we thought that she meant that
1: oh okay she didn't say on September 11th 2001 no no.
0: but she said that that that'll happen so these are the predictions that she made before her death for 2022 a virtual reality takeover Another pandemic, which is just great, this time discovered in Siberia caused by a frozen virus that will be released by climate change, which is a a concern that some people have had with climate change, that there have been frozen bacteria and things in glaciers for millions of years and they're going to come out and we don't even know how like what they are. Yeah. I mean, that's like a legit thing. (laughs) Who knows if that's going to happen this year. Uh, well, that's
1: a new thing to be afraid of. Thank you.
0: Oh, you didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, everyone. A prediction that many cities will face water shortages, and these will result in political consequences. The invasion of Earth by aliens with the arrival of an asteroid. Finally. Jesus. Famine in India due to a drop in temperatures that will result in locusts attacking crops and more earthquakes and tsunamis with intense bouts of floods in Australia and parts of Asia. Um, So some other things that she predicted for the future before she died. Seems like she kind of got all of her ducks in a row. Uh Uh, Global hunger will be eradicated between 2025 and 2028. Oh, that's good. Okay. So just a little while longer to wait on that. China will overtake the U.S. as a superpower. Polar ice caps will melt from 2033 to around 2045. And the ocean levels will rise around this time. Uh, they're already rising and they're already melting. I gotta let you know. Yeah. Doctors will be able to cure any disease with cloning technology. Um, around 2072, a classless, classless communist society will form and thrive in hand with nature. She might've just been a kind of a. Smart lady. Futurist. Yeah. yeah. A colony on Mars will enable the planet to become a nuclear power and demand independence from Earth from around 2170 to 2256. And uh, always ending on a high note, the universe will end in
1: 5079.
0: 5079.
1: Wow. So that's... Sorry. I'd love to... I'd love to see her just, you know, kind of back of the babushka math on that.
0: <laughs> well, that's Baba Vanga. So we have uh, another pandemic to look forward to, apparently. And aliens. And aliens. Bring it on. Whatever. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas again. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't Scary, and check out our website at AinItScary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be forever grateful. That's right. Check
1: out Ain't It Kitchy? More Ain't It Kitchy over on Patreon right now. And coming up soon, the Miskatonic University Literary Society, tentatively named. Mm. Special thanks to our beloved top-tier patrons, Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, and Christy Atchison. We love you all. See you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe, music by Kyle Ryan, and you can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. This has been a production
0: of Longboy Media.
2: So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money,